Greetings, this is Pastor Stan Harvey of the Pentecostals of Sydney. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. It is our hope that this message, whether it be a Sunday service or a midweek lesson, would be a blessing and a help to you in your spiritual journey. Stay connected with us on our website, posydney.com, or on our numerous social media platforms. Now to the service. tremendous job these musicians and singers have done all of the items thank you for blessing us with such beautiful worship praise the name of the Lord hallelujah talofalava malolele bulavanaka kiora kiorana mabuhai Nihao, Yasu, uh, what else can I see here? Shalom, Venakam, Bondia, Buenos Dias, and all others. <laughs> There's so many. One time, one year, we counted the 50 different nationalities were represented in this congregation and that is just a wonder and delight to see and and we also we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land uh, the Yora people of the Vigil uh, the Vigil clan of the Yora people traditional owners of this land and uh, uh, we want to acknowledge them of course and we want to acknowledge the, the real owner, the, the true owner of all the land in this world, the whole globe, the whole universe, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's so good to see all the different uh, attire, cultural attire. Thank you for making the effort. It is a blessing to see this. And our brethren for all the special items, uh, especially our Tuckalowan brethren. What a blessing. Thank you. If you didn't know how to get to Tokelau, well, you catch a plane, you catch a plane to Samoa, and then you catch a boat from Samoa to Tokelau because you can't fly there. It takes two days. And I told Brother Leon, brother, we, we got to go there one day. We, we've got to do a mission trip. If you think flying to Dubai is 14 hours is tough, you try doing that. And uh, what, what a blessing it is. Uh, tomorrow actually is uh, United Nations Day, uh, incidentally. And I remember as a kid uh, growing up in, in Singapore, going to an international school, we celebrated United Nations Day by wearing our, our cultural attires. And we had to learn the national anthems of different countries. And that was a blessing. Amen. I know time is gone and, and I don't have much time, but I do want to share something from the Lord that uh, short, but I believe God wants us to hear this. If you have your Bibles with you, let's go to John chapter 13, verse 34, 35. I, I'm thankful for the United Pentecostal Church that sends missionaries all over the world. Uh, we have a missions work in Timor-Leste. And if you want to give to that, and we give every month to the work of missions, not only in Australia, but overseas. 
We have assisted in the works in the Philippines and Fiji and other parts of the world. And we want to encourage you to continue to be missions-minded. Uh, the United Pentecostal Church General Conference recently announced that they had 198 uh, uh, missionaries or churches in 198 nations. And there is about 210 nations uh, considered. So we have 12 nations that still don't have a, an apostolic presence. And I'm not talking about just Christianity in general. I'm talking about our denomination, being born again of water and spirit. And, and so 12 more nations, that's not ma many. And when we get those 12, well, it could very well be that the fulfillment of that prophecy that Jesus gave in Matthew 24, that when this gospel has been preached in all nations, then shall the end come. Amen. It's coming soon, brothers and sisters. Jesus promised he's going to come back again for his church. And we've got to be ready. Amen. John chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, and that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Amen. Let us pray. Let's pray for our brother Andrew today. Pray for Sister Na's daughter who's in hospital. Let's ask the Lord to intervene. Father, in Jesus' name, we bring before you your servants, those that are sick, that are part of this body. We're asking you now to bring supernatural healing to bear upon them. We pray in your great mercies and compassion that you would heal them, Lord God, from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Let healing virtue flow. We believe your promises, Lord God, that if we ask, we shall receive. If we seek, we shall find. And if we knock on the door, it shall be open. And so we're asking and seeking and knocking for supernatural intervention for Brother Andrew, Sister Nas, daughter. Lord God, we pray for healing virtue in Jesus' name. Lord God, we thank you this night, this day, as we celebrate the different nationalities, Lord God, that we've come from. We thank you for your mercy, your grace. We ask you to speak to us once again. Anoint your people and your servant to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. If you're here today and you don't notice your flag up somewhere, we'll let us know. We'll let you go and buy it and then give it to us next year. I try to do this every year. Uh, Brother Slack often used to quote a song, an old hymn called The Multi-Speckled Bird, and uh, referring to the church of different colors, shapes, and sizes. And uh, this is something that we can celebrate and rejoice. Amen. It is, of course, a reflection of our community. We live in a very diverse city. The city of Sydney is very international uh, in, in its uh, uh, demographics. And so this is a representation of that. And it is wonderful that we can virtually reach the world while still being in our own city, that uh, we can see and meet people from every, every background. Amen. In Scripture, after the fall of mankind, God was at work. After Adam and Eve fell, God was at work looking to redeem or restore his people. And through the lens of history, particularly obviously in the Old Testament, we can see that God 
was constantly at work to, to call to himself a people that would be restored in a right relationship with him, that they would be set free and remitted or washed away from their sins and, and be a holy people. And we see this, see this all throughout Scripture as uh, even when the, the time, the Bible says, when man was so wicked, the whole world was filled with wickedness, that God, the Bible tells us, in the very sad state of affairs, it says that he, God, regretted that he even made man because there was only wickedness and evil continually in his heart. Such is the, the capacity for depravity within a human being. Mankind is, is capable of great good, but we have seen that man is also capable of tremendous uh, evil. And yet even through that situation, God found a man by the name of Noah. And you know the story. He calls him. He, the Bible says Noah found grace in the sight of God. And, and so when Noah found grace in the sight of God, God decided to tell him that he's going to destroy the world because God knew that the, the fallen humanity and the wicked mankind they were beyond they were beyond redemption and salvation and so he was pronouncing judgment immediately except for noah noah was a righteous man and he found grace in the sight of god amen and because he found grace god gave to him a means of escape god provided a way for him he said you got to build yourself an ark to the saving of your family and and him and his wife and his three sons and their wives they built this ark, and he gave them the dimensions to the ark. He said it's going to be so long, 300 cubits long, so many cubits wide, so many cubits high. You can have a door and window. And he gave them, gave Noah the specifications. And, and what's interesting is that even though Noah found grace in the sight of God, Noah still had to do something. Noah still had to be obedient to the instructions that God gave him. Yes, we are saved by grace, but just because God's grace is poured out upon this world, it doesn't mean that everybody's going to be saved. He gave us grace, and through that, he gave us the means or the way of salvation. He gave us the specifications by which we can build ourselves a virtual ark to be saved from destruction. And I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, if you don't know what those specifications are, it is very clear. It is, first of all, acknowledging that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, that he is God manifest in the flesh, and that he went to the cross, and on the cross he died. He shed his blood and died to pay for the penalty of our sins. And if you can acknowledge that, then you can take the next step, the next specification, if you will, in creating the ark, and that is repenting of your sins. Amen. Praise God. You cannot be saved without acknowledging that you're a sinner. Amen. And when you acknowledge that you're a sinner, you can repent or, or simply change your mind, make a decision to say, God, I'm going to follow you. I repent of my sins with godly sorrow, and I'm going to be obedient to you. Amen. Because the Bible says without repentance, you, you can't be saved. Amen. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. 
Amen. And the Bible tells us when you've repented of your sins, the, the first apostolic church Christian message on the day of Pentecost was preached by the apostle Peter, and he said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. What for? For the remission of your sins. Amen. He says you got to be baptized in water, and when you go into the water and calling upon the name of Jesus, something happens to you. Your sins are washed away. Every sin that you have ever committed, no matter how big or how small or insignificant, it is washed away from you. And when you come up out of that water, you are clean, you are holy, you are pure. Oh, I want you to know something powerful happens when you get baptized. It's not just your sins are washed away, but the Bible declares that the old man, the old nature that dominates our lives, it is buried in the watery graves of baptism. And when you come up, you can walk in the newness of life. Oh, hallelujah. That's what my brother Steve experienced last week. We had a couple last night, Brother Moe's Connect group, a Samoan sister and her, her Fijian husband. They were baptized in Jesus' name to wash away their sins. And I want you to know today that if you've not been through the watery grave of baptism, it takes two seconds to bury you. It takes faith and belief and repentance. And when you do, we can baptize you today. You can have your sins washed away. And you can be a new creature. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God for the promise that Jesus gave. Thank God that he made it very clear. Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, you read it for yourself, except a man is born again of water. What's he talking about? Somebody tried to say, oh, that means, you know, when the water breaks, when you're when in your mother's womb. Yeah, that's what happens when you were first born physically. But Jesus is saying, he's not saying for you to crawl up back into your mother's belly. No, he said, you've got to be born of water. And the only water you see thereafter is when people were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That's where the blood of Christ that he shed on the cross is applied to you. Listen, you can't get saved by default because of the grace of God, but the grace of God has given you a plan of salvation. He's given you a way for you to be saved. Oh, hallelujah. Okay, I got three minutes, and I'm, that's not even my sermon. And then he promises he'll give us the gift of the Holy Ghost. That means his spirit will dwell within our spirit. Oh, this is the greatest gift. Jesus promised, he said, if any man, he said, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Amen. If you can take a drink, he says, out of your belly, out of your innermost being will begin to flow rivers of living water. Jesus wasn't just saying that to sermonize. He wasn't just saying that to tickle our ears and, and to occupy a, a, bit of, a bit of time while he's preaching. He said that as a promise. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. He said, but I will come 
come to you. And on that day when the church of God was born, when Christianity was born, the Bible says it happened on the day of Pentecost when they were all in one accord. They were united like we are here today in one place. And suddenly it filled the house where they were sitting and cloven tongues of fire sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak in tongues. I want you to know that promise was not just for them 2,000 years ago, but it's for us today from every language, from every kindred, every nationality, every color, every culture. When you come into the body of Christ, you speak a new language, the language of the Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. You remember when they tried to build a tower to the Lord in Babylon, the Tower of Babel? Mankind, they thought they were so good, they were so smart. They said, we want to build a tower that can reach up to heaven so that it's the same old lie that the Satan had perpetrated from the very beginning that you can be as gods. That was the same intention. They wanted to build a tower so that they could be equal to God. And God said, well, let's see about that. There's only one God. And he began to confound their languages. And all of a sudden, as they were trying to build that tower, they were laying the brick, and, and there was Mario standing there, and Mario turned to his friend Giovanni and Giovanni all of a sudden couldn't speak Italian anymore he was speaking Portuguese amen and Maria was out to get the food to the people. And Maria went to her, her friend, uh, uh, Layla, and said, here, here you go, Layla. And Layla couldn't understand her because Maria was speaking in Tagalog. All of a sudden, they were so confounded with so many different languages that they had to separate, that they had to, to, to divide and go to all different places because that's what God commanded. But listen to me, Pentecost is the mirror image of Babylon that just as they scattered for all around the world because God gave them different languages where they couldn't understand each other, Pentecost, God brings the world together in the church where we begin to speak a new language. We begin to speak the language of the spirit oh i want you to know you got the presence of god in this house and if you've not received the baptism of the holy ghost you can receive it today the promise is unto you unto your children and to all that are afar off even as many as the lord our god shall call hallelujah Glory to God. I, I don't have time. It's 1030. I got to stop. But let me just share my message to you today. The Bible tells us that, that when God created a people from Noah, then he called Abraham. It says through Abraham, all the nations, everyone say all nations. Through him, all the nations will be blessed. All the nations of the earth will be blessed. He's prophesying about through the lineage of Abraham would come somebody that would bless all nations. Of course, we know that, that is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. He's come to bless all nations. But when Jesus came, when he came to this earth, he was rejected by his own people, the Jews. And Paul reveals something to us very profound in Romans 11 and 11. He says, did God's people stumble and fall beyond recovery? He's talking about the Jews. 
Of course not. They were disobedient, so God made available to the Gentiles. God made salvation available to the Gentiles, but he wanted his own people to become jealous and claim it for themselves. Listen, the Jews rejected Jesus, but as a result of that rejection, he now opened salvation to the entire world, to Gentiles. That's, that's you and I. That's that if, if you're from, from Brazil or, or from Colombia or from Greece or from Australia or from the Philippines or New Zealand, talk aloud. He, he gives it all to us because of the rejection of the Jews. And then he says further in Romans chapter 11, verse 21, he says, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that the blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become, become in. He says, we are in the period of the Gentiles. The church now is predominantly non-Jews or they are Gentiles all throughout this world. The church is made up of people who are non-Jews. And he says that they are blind. They will not be able to see. That's why there's so few Jews uh, that, that are open to the gospel because somehow they're blinded because they had rejected Christ. But the Bible says when the fullness of the Gentiles has come, then they're going to see. And God's going to use the church, the Gentile church, to be able to reveal to the Jews who Jesus is. And what I've come to tell you today on this All Nations Sunday is that even though we as a body have come from all different walks of life, different cultures, different, different nationalities, different mindsets, different types of personalities, and different types of upbringing, even in our family of origin, yet God has brought us into one family. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. Amen. And God's going to use that to be able to speak to an unbelieving world and to the Jews themselves about who Jesus is. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. Can I tell you, brothers and sisters, you are in the right place, that when you are a part of the body of Christ, don't, don't listen to what the world is saying. We are not being superstitious. We're not believing. It's not that we're believing in fairy tales. No, we are believing the truth. And if anybody knows the truth, it's you, the believer, the child of God. Oh, bless the Lord. Because I can talk to you today about all the different evidence. I can talk to you today and prove to you that the Bible is still true. That after 2,000 years, the Bible and the claims of Scripture have yet to be refuted. Amen. The Bible is still changing the lives of men and women today. I can talk to you and give you a discourse and present a compelling argument of the reliability of the Bible. We can go through all the overwhelming evidence that points to the veracity of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I can point to you to all the evidences that points historically that it actually did happen. Hallelujah. We can look at science. We can go through all the different apologetics. We can show you that, that even science itself, the, the science of cosmology, for example, the science of cosmology has to point to the existence of God. 
because cosmology looks at science that says that everything that had a beginning has a cause. Everything in this world has a cause. Amen. I, I'm wearing this Barong shirt. I don't, I don't even know where I got this from, and I don't know who made it, but I'm telling you, somebody made it. Maybe some 10-year-old some child somewhere in the hut in the, in the backwoods of the Philippines were just knitting these things. I don't know, but everything that's existing has a cause. Amen. And so if you look at these, the world, and you look at the, the universe that we live in, it must have a cause. If it begins to exist, it had to have a cause. And I submit to you, the only cause powerful enough, the only cause that is awesome enough, that is maximally great, is none other than a God who has all power in his hands. <laughs> Hallelujah. We can go through the deductive and inductive reasoning using logic to conclude that if everything that had a beginning must have had a cause. We can look at, look, look at DNA. DNA, a recent discovery of the last couple of decades. DNA caused a, a, a man by the name of Anthony Flew. He debated C.S. Lewis. He was a skeptic. He was an atheist. But before Anthony Flew died, he said the discovery of DNA has caused him to change his mind to now begin to believe that there was a creator. Why? Because DNA is code. It's, it's information. And information doesn't just, just appear from nothing. It would be equivalent to if you're walking down the beach, and I use this illustration all the time, and you see, you see the, the patterns on the beach, on the sand, caused by the waves of the sea. You say, well, they're just, you know, little ripples that uh, the sea caused, that it's nobody was, was in charge of that. But if you happen to be walking on the same beach, maybe you're walking down the beach in Tokelau, and, and you see in the, written on the, the, the sand of the beach says, Leon loves Sophie, <laughs> with a love heart around it and an arrow going through it. Now, you know, you know the sea didn't cause that. You, knew, you know a mind would have been in charge of writing that. And that's what DNA is because you knew somebody would have written that because it contains information. And that's what DNA is. It, it's information that makes up who we are in our physical bodies. And when they that's why if you commit a crime and we get a cup that you've been drinking from, man, we can trace your DNA. He's the one. He's the one that did it. And you, you can't get away now to Hayes' cameras everywhere. There's DNA technology. But all of that points to the fact that there's a mind behind all of this. Oh, I've got to stop musicians. You've got to come. They're ready. I know we had a lot of singing. But I've come here to tell you with just one simple message I want you to take with you. All of these evidences that we have, none can compare to the strongest apologetic that we have to tell the world who Jesus is. And that is when my people love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. When you have love for one another, 
And this is what's amazing, that we come from different backgrounds, different personalities, different mindsets, and yet God can put us together. And yes, look, I'm sorry, even in the church sometimes we're going to tread on each other's toes. You know, this, this place, some, some people tell me, well, I don't want to go to church because that person's got a bad attitude. Well, listen to me. The church is the perfect place for imperfect people. The church is like a hospital. You only go to hospital when you're sick. Jesus said, I didn't come for the righteous. I didn't come for the well. I came for those, the sinners, those that are sick. And yes, sometimes we may, we may tread on each other's toes and we may say something to each other. And, and listen, when I'm saying this, I'm not giving you license to be mean. you got to change your attitude. Jesus said, he said, you know, you got to expect that offenses are going to come. You're going to be offended, Jesus said. It's to be expected. But he said, woe to him from whom the offenses come. Okay, you, you, you're going to be offended. Somebody's going to hurt you. But make sure you do everything in your power not to be the source of that offense. This is what's amazing about all nations. We look at all different nationalities, different colors, different backgrounds. And yet, God expects us to love one another. It is the greatest apologetic to speak to a lost and dying world that Jesus is real. How can, how can these people get along together? People look into the church that how, you know, there are some cultures that are very timid, very quiet, very shy. You, know, you go to Japan, they're very timid. There are some cultures like that. But you don't mess with them because they know how to do that martial arts stuff. They, they pull out a samurai sword on you. There are some cultures that are very loud. They're always, everything's an argument. It's not just a conversation. It's an argument. And you go, whoa, take it easy, take it easy. Well, I'm not arguing. I'm just, this is how we talk. There are cultures that are very proud. We are Filipino. Yeah. That's who I am. We have all different attitudes, different mindsets, and yet somehow we can still be able to love one another is the greatest, the greatest voice and testament to this world that Jesus is real. And I don't have time. I've got a whole sermon on how we can learn to love each other. I wish I had time. Let's all stand. I might have to listen to the second part in the next service. But when the love of Jesus is in your heart, and you have all against your brother. The Bible says you leave your gift at the altar because you love the Lord. You got to make it right with them. If the, if you know your brother has all against you, you got to go to them. You got to go to your sister and make it right. Why? Because by this shall all men know that you are my disciples when you have loved one for another. And I think nothing exemplifies what we ought to follow than the character of Jesus Christ. He, he spoke those words the night before he was betrayed. And the night before he was betrayed, he, he gathered his disciples for the final supper. And he took out a basin and a towel. And he began to wash their feet. We haven't had foot washing here in a long time. If you have time, maybe we'll... No, I'm just... But it, when we had foot washing, you know, some of it was like, oh, I don't know about the, these feet, but... 
But just imagine going on one of those tough mudders. You ever seen those tough mudder races? Without shoes, running for two hours. Then you come in the house with those feet that have ran the tough mudder race. And that's the feet that you got to wash. That's the feet that Jesus washed. When they were arguing and jockeying for a position, what did Jesus do? He took a basin and a towel and he began to wash their feet and said, I'm going to serve you. This is how we love one another is we serve each other. There's no hierarchy here. Yeah, look, you know, I'm, a, I'm the pastor. What, they, but there's no hierarchy of importance. It only means that I'm the biggest servant. This is how we love each other is when we serve one another, not demand. How dare you say that to me? How dare you do that to me? How dare you? No, how can I serve you? How can I wash your feet? How can I give to you? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Would you lift your voices? I, I, I've got to finish. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for what I feel here in this house. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Thank you for what we've seen and heard and experienced in your touch. Once again, Lord God, I pray that you would baptize us with a fresh anointing and a spirit of servanthood that we can love each other, Lord. Love that is self-sacrificing, love that is deferring, love that is serving. Help us, Lord God, as a people. And this will be a testament, a witness to the world that you are in our midst, that you are with us. Lord God, I pray that you would touch our hearts today as we submit our lives into your hands. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I want to open up this altar if you'd like to spend some time, just a few minutes, to say, God, I want to be a, I want to take on that spirit of a servant. Or maybe you've never been baptized in the Holy Ghost or in Jesus' name in the water. Today I want to invite you to come to this altar and pray a prayer of repentance. Say, God, I want to give my life to you. I want to follow you. Thank you for your grace. Now I'm availing myself of the plan of salvation that you have poured out. Perhaps there's something in your heart that somebody has put something in there of resentment, of unforgiveness, of bitterness, of hurt. Today, why don't you come and let your heart be filled and touched by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. If they're here today, I want you to go up to them. If somebody's here that you've got all against, Go to them and make it right. Reconcile with your brother, with your sister. But if they're not here, come to the Lord and say, God, I want to forgive this person. Hallelujah. God's promised to restore. His spirit is here. The altar is open. You're welcome to come and pray and talk to the Lord in Jesus' name.